All right, y'all doing good? Everybody with me? Y'all waking up? Somewhere in the process of waking up? Doesn't matter where you are. I've already decided you're having a good morning, so you might as well just ride with the, with the foe here. Um, ooh, this is going to be a good one. Grab, grab a fist just like this. Fist bump somebody next to you and say, hey, we're going to change the world this year. This is one of my favorite Sundays of the year. Um, if you got a Bible, if you got a phone, if you got some other high-tech way of flipping through Scripture, we're going to dive right into 2 Corinthians chapter 8. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. If you can't find it, God put a table of contents in the beginning of your Bible to help you get to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're diving in. I'm stalling so you can find it if you want it. Okay, here we go. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 7. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. He entered our lives in seventh grade. And it was months before I met him. Some of my buddies would come back to the wrestling team and up in that wrestling room after school. See, I was in the J wing at Bloomington Junior High School. They were in H wing. And every day they would come back at wrestling practice from H wing. And they would talk to us about this new kid named Dewey Drawlinger. And it was months that I had to build a vision in my head of just who this Dewey character was because the stories were so abstract and so bizarre. Seventh grade, he was new to the community, new to town, new to our school, and nobody knew how to take him. But then as eighth grade rolled around, he also joined the wrestling team, found his way into the wrestling room, and I can remember what he looked like the first day I laid eyes on Dewey. He had this shaggy, unkept hair, a dingy pair of workout shorts, glasses that were literally held together in the middle by tape, a white t-shirt on that didn't really cover fully his midsection. And Dewey was this kind, lovable, but very bizarre character all at the same time and a lot to get your head around when you're just an eighth grader. Over and over you would hear Dewey explain to people, yes, like my name is Dewey. Why does everybody keep asking me that? Yes, that's the name on my birth certificate. I don't understand why you guys say that all the time. No, the tape, it holds my glasses together. What, why does everybody, what is the deal? Can't you see? I just got to see. I need the tape. I need my glasses. And now in my adult life, I can look back through my life experiences and see so easily that in eighth grade, Dewey was stepping up to the plate without having been taught some of the social skills that all of us had. And his family loved him and they did their best, but he was stepping up to the plate without some of the financial resources that so many of us had. And he was bizarre. But eighth grade, around his birthday, Dewey made a move. He decided to host a birthday party. And I'm not kidding you, this kid littered our school with invites. 
I mean, I remember it. I remember being handed one. And it was written in marker on paper in Dewey's handwriting. He had found a photocopier. And there were 2,000 kids in my eighth grade class. And he had made enough copies for all 2,000 kids. He littered the place. And it said, come to... And Dewey always... He loved pro wrestling. So he always talked like Hulk Hogan. And so I read the invitation like he would have said it. And it was like, come to the first ever Dewey Drawlinger birthday brash, brother. And then it was like, <laughs> featuring two large Yamaha speakers, the trampoline that my uncle found in its inner backyard, and the best chocolate eclair that my mother has ever made. And I mean, he littered the place with these things. It did not matter. Your class, your creed, your color, your click. Everyone in our class was invited to the Dewey Drollinger birthday bash that year. And I don't know why. But for whatever reason, my friends, Andre Brown, Noah Wyatt, Pete Smith, and I decided we were going to go. I don't remember that. I remember going into the shabby garage of the rental house his parents had acquired and the Yamaha speakers were there and I met his cousins. One was named Harley. The other's name was Davidson. And we hung out. But the moment that'll be etched in my heart forever was somewhere around an hour into that party. Because about an hour in, myself, Andre, Pete, and Noah were still the only ones there. And I have a vivid memory of Dewey walking down that little driveway and looking back and forth to see if more cars would be rolling up. And I remember him holding back tears and kind of fighting it as he would go out and check only to find no one was there. And about the 90-minute mark, he had all he could take. He came back walking up that driveway one last time. And in the corner of the garage, he threw his face in his mother's shoulder, weeping. And his kind mom rubbed his back and said, it's okay, buddy. It's okay. There'll be some more people next year. And in that moment... The four of us made a commitment to never miss another Dewey Drawlinger birthday bash. And we didn't. And that evening, we decided to give Dewey and his family our best. And so we leaned in. We laughed at the family's jokes. We ate the food. We dived in. We laughed. We smiled. We sang happy birthday, even though we were eighth graders and that wasn't cool anymore. And we gave Dewey and his family all that we had. And we stuck it out. And I'll remember that day forever. Because somewhere in the midst of that party, I stopped. And I had this feeling of all the places in the world that I could be and all the things in the world that I could be doing, I was exactly where I was supposed to be doing exactly what I was supposed to do. And bizarre as that night was, and trust me, it was uncomfortable. It felt awkward. If you ask me how I felt that evening, I would tell you I was full of joy, fully alive, 
and filled with meaning. It was not the traditional birthday party. There wasn't fun stuff there for the average eighth grade kid to enjoy. But for some reason, I walked out that day with a joy in my heart. It felt right to me. It was one of those things like the compass that God had set in my soul said, this is how the world's supposed to be. I was alive. I am a recovering partier. And I've been to plenty, had been to plenty at that point in my life. But there was something about that party that produced a kind of liveliness in me that I could hardly articulate at the time. And I found meaning there. There was a divine purpose that day. And I felt like what I was doing mattered. And it was bigger than me. And at that point, I didn't know. I didn't know that on the first Christmas, God would send his son to earth, that his son would grow up in love, that he would walk amongst humanity, that he would live, that he would care, that he would teach what being truly human is all about, that he would model with his life a new way to live, that he would call humanity out of slavery and into the arms of a loving heavenly father. And at the end of his life, he meant it so much and his mission ran so true through the core of his body that he gave up his life to make it possible that he would become poor so we would become rich, that he would give up his life so we could have an opportunity to truly live. And the whole while, he would be modeling for you and for me what truly living is all about. And I didn't know it back then in eighth grade, but now I can see that I had tripped and fallen into the gospel. That's our gospel. He gave up his life so we can live, and now we are called to do the same. That's it. And I want to sit on this word for a minute and make sure we have this as a community. The gospel. See, the gospel is like a gem. It has many layers. And if you look at it, different light is refracted from different, different places. And you see different things. But let me give you a few of the key angles as we begin. The gospel is history. The gospel is real history. I believe that. I believe in the scripture. I don't believe in this, in this like blind, you better have faith, which means I haven't really looked into this and I'm just kind of hoping it's true. I am a skeptic. I was opposed to Christ. I tried to prove this stuff wrong. And then as I dug in, I learned that historically, this is more authentic, more real, and more powerful than any history book being pushed through universities right now. By every scholar's measure of authenticity, this history is more true and authentic. The history recorded in Scripture says this, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins as according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, to the twelve, and then after that, he appeared to five hundred more of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. 
Then he appeared to James, then to the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. This is history, not fable, not legend, history. The reason Jesus is not simply a failed revolutionary from first century Palestine is because in real time, he was executed, people saw it, And then they saw him alive again. The reason time itself is wrapped around Christ. There's BC and there's AD. And in the middle of it sits Jesus Christ is because historically people saw this man, Jesus, killed. And then he showed up again alive. The gospel is history and that history has spiritual implications. That's next in your notes. The gospel is salvation. The gospel is is salvation. Being saved. And you you ever ask the question underneath some of this stuff, why? Like why cross? Why Jesus? Why Christmas? Why a manger? Why the wise men? Why all? You know why? It's because God loves you. It is because God loves you so much. God loves you so much. He looked at you and he looked at me in spiritual captivity. Make no mistake about it. Sins don't make you a yucky person. Sin doesn't make you a bad person. If you sin, rebel against God. Choose your way over him. Choose selfishness. Put yourself before others at at the cost of their well-being. That's sin. It's destructive. The punishment is captivity to death. And the only way for us to be free from that captivity, there is no moral ladder that you can climb up. There's no set of good behaviors. There is a savior. The only way for us to be free from that captivity captivity is for a price to be paid. Jesus, bleeding on a cross, slashed to pieces, hanging there, struggling to breathe, was the payment for your sins. And looking on him, say, let me just pause. You can have that. Like you can be forgiven. No matter who you are, what's going on, what you've been through, you can look on that, look on Christ and say, I got to have that. I had this meeting, not a meeting. I was working out with a buddy and he just started asking me all these questions about God. And he's piecing the pieces together. You can just tell God's after this guy. I haven't brought up a thing. He just corners me and starts asking questions at our gym. And he was going like, okay, I'm, I'm getting it. God's out there. But what do you do with like all the different religions and places? And, you know, aren't they all pointing at the same thing? I said, oh, yeah, absolutely. There are many ways to God. But there is one door. It is walking through the door of forgiveness through the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is our only hope. Make no mistake about it. God is pursuing people from all places at all times and all ways. But all of those paths lead to the door of Jesus Christ. Being saved, saying I'm choosing that door for life, for salvation, for help, to make it, for obedience. That's me.
you can make that move right now in your heart. If you feel like God's been after you and you haven't responded yet and you know it's there, he's saying, come in, I'm knocking, open the door, let's eat. That's, that's salvation. But it doesn't stop there. The gospel is a way of life for those who follow Jesus. You ever watch those? It's college football season, NFL season. You ever watch those highlights where the guy gets like this beautiful pick six interception? You know, he grabs the interception. He's so thrilled. He takes the ball. He runs it like 60 yards. And he's going, yeah! (laughs) He's high-stepping. And then he sets the ball down. And he didn't realize it, but he set the ball down before he got into the end zone and actually scored. And now he looks like a buffoon because he stopped too soon. Watch out, Momentum. Because it is possible to be a Christian, a Jesus follower, and a church that stops too soon. Because the gospel is history, it is salvation, but it is also a commandment in a way that we are supposed to live. Do you know if you go to Acts chapter 9, verse 2, chapter 19, chapter 22, chapter 24, chapter 22, the first believers were called followers of the way. They were not evangelicals. They were not Catholics. They were not Protestants. They were called followers of the way because in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, in his teachings, and in the model that he set as an example, they saw a new way to live. They saw a way to live where where you're actually giving of yourself so others can live. They saw a way to live that was completely upside down compared to the world's standards. And they modeled the way of Jesus and brought the world to life around them. If we were doing discipleship and it was me and you and we're at a coffee shop with the Bibles open and the journals out. At this point, I would say, name your favorite movie. And somebody would say something like Avengers. And I would go, hey, did you ever notice in Avengers the greatest moments that make you light? up on the inside are ones where a character gives up his life so others can live I said name a great movie and you're like Braveheart interesting you ever notice what makes that movie so epic is that he was willing to die for other people does that sound familiar to you and I'd go name a movie and you're like the notebook and I'd be like you need a new favorite movie (laughs) but isn't it interesting it's yet another story of a man who gave up his life so somebody else could live Those movies, whether they realize it or not, are looking back in history and pointing at the gospel and saying, this is how life was made to be. This is why you can look through all of the teachings of the New Testament. I mean, Paul, after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Paul wrote just about most of what was left. And almost everything boils down to the same thing. He paints a picture and he shows a picture of Jesus. Look at the life he lived. Look at the death he died. And look at God's love for you. Now do that in the world around you. Paul upgraded. Many of us have heard of the golden rule, do unto others as you would want them to do to you. Well, Paul goes, "Uh -uh, that's not good enough anymore. From now on, we do to others what Christ first did for us. He goes, you want a good marriage? Love your wife like Jesus loved you. You want to excel in the workplace? Put others first. You want to be a good citizen? Look at Jesus and live like that in the world around you. That's our gospel. It's history. It's salvation. And it's a way of life.
The gospel is when you're angry with your spouse and you have every right to snap back, but instead you decide, instead of treating them like they just treated you, you're going to treat them like Jesus treated you instead. The gospel in your workplace is when you see somebody struggling and they're not quite getting it, that instead of just keeping your head down and going, whoo, man, I don't know if they'll, you go across the hall, you knock on the door, you say, hey, if you'd like some help, how about we meet at lunch? I'll do everything I can to bring you up to speed. You give up your life so they can live. The gospel in your schools is when you see a kid left out, lonely, isolated. You do not sit comfortably at your table. You leave the place of comfort and go into their uncomfortable, what the, uncomfortability? I'm, I'm done. You go where it's not comfortable because Jesus did the same for you. That's our gospel. Now follow me because we're turning a corner here. In a church, when you're in a town with people who are suffering and struggling, the gospel is looking at them and deciding to do something about it. Which brings us to our Bring Life Christmas Give. And it's simply this. It's a moment that we're going to share in together where we bring life to the world around us by living the pattern of Jesus. If you go to number four in your notes, here's what I think is in it for you. The gospel is where true life is found. And together we're going to do something sacrificial where we follow the model of Jesus and bring life to the world around us. And through it, we become more alive in the process. So I want you to know this before we go any further. We're going to do some really cool things and bring life to our community, but we're doing it for two reasons. One, it's because that, that's what Jesus would do. But two, it is to be transformed ourselves. And in this, we want to transform our world, but in this, we miss the point if we don't allow God to transform us at the same time. So what is the bring life Christmas give. I'll explain it like this. Now, those of you who have been around Momentum for a while, those of you who have been in this place before, those of you who have heard Christmas and giving and giveaway, uh, this is formally known as the Christmas Conspiracy. We are doing a rebrand. You guys are a part of something brand new. We're, we're making a shift. It is the Bring Life Christmas Give. Call me on it if I said, I said Christmas conspiracy like 50 times when I was over there in volunteer. The Bring Life Christmas Give. And there's going to be a couple of differences. Number one is we're aiming at local partnerships. And rather than doing something new, we're going to seek to be a blessing to people who are blessing our community. So in times past, and I've been like the poster boy for these, so I'm like, get fired up, let's get a lot of money. No, and we do these projects, and we're going to build this, and we're going to do that, and there's going to be a well, and all this stuff. Uh, this year, we're making a shift, and we're going to bring life to people who are bringing life to our city. 
So what we did is we reached out to um, all the town council members, the mayor's office, law enforcement officers, uh, the school district, board of education, uh, other, other uh, first responders in our community, and we said, who do you guys know that is knocking it out of the park in our city? Who do you guys know that is making a huge difference in the lives of people right here, right now? And so we found a bunch of organizations um, to give you some of the services provided, we found organizations that provide shelter services and job placement for local homeless. Uh, we found people who provide uh, clothing for local college students with food scarcity, uh, mental health services for children who have suffered domestic violence, care for families uh, of children with cancer, support services for servicemen and women with PTSD, education resources for the most at-risk kids in our city. And by popular demand, we're going to do Packed with Love again. That's where we feed and pack 10,000 meals. Um, take care packages for the homeless that we give out in our city, bless teachers, uh, and give backpacks to the JAG food kitchen. And so we've gone to these charities and asked questions like, what would help you make a difference? And what would actually make a difference? We've gone to these places and said things like, hey, how can we help you help our city? And so we have relationships established with them. And 100% of our Bring Life Christmas Give offering will go to support these people. Now, hear me. We have not made any promises to these organizations. And, and there's a full list of them at MomentumSanDiego.com and links to their websites. You can go and explore every single one of them. We have not made promises to them because we don't know what's going to come in yet. But then on the back end, projects with these organizations will be vetted and we'll figure out how we help them make a difference in Jesus' name. Here's the other difference. Um, in times past, some of you uh, come to this thing and you're like, what's well, going to be our big goal? You know, is it going to be 20,000 or 50,000 or 100,000 or what thousand? The goal is different this year. Our goal this year is participation. Our challenge is that everyone, middle school age and up, would participate by giving. And if Everyone here would participate. We want everyone in the, in the church, middle school age and up, to participate by giving. And you guys, we will make a huge impact. How do you participate? I'm challenging you. And I know this is audacious. I'm challenging you to give $47.47. That you would take that $47.47, you'd apply it to our Christmas, uh, oh, goodness, Bring life, Christmas give. That we would use it to bless our community in Jesus' name. Now, I want, to pause on, I want to pause on that number for a minute and talk about it from two angles. Some of you right now are going 47, 47. Dude, I got bills to pay. I'm trying to go on a date this week. We're doing Christmas for the family and we've got stuff going on. And I'm just trying to make it. The, I got to be able to make it to everything and gas and it's a thing. And it's like $5 a gallon right now. And there's all kinds of stuff going on. How am I going to get my hands on 47, 47? Some of y'all are working on our set up teardown team and you're going, I'm just trying to like get here, man. And I can't figure out 47, 47. You serious? Yes, I'm Serious. And if that's a stretch for you, I want it to stretch you. Because it is through sacrificing and living the way of Jesus that we, were filled, that we are filled with life through him. And I am confident, 
as you sacrifice, as you work and you strive to try and give like this, you will find Jesus in the process. Now, some people, especially those who have been to Momentum before and been to Christmas Conspiracy before, are going, 47, 47, bro, have some faith. Like, don't you remember last year? Don't you remember the things we've done in the past in like 47? Some of y'all could, oh, there's 47, 47. You could sneeze 47, 47. Some of you are like, 47, okay, I'll do it right now. I could blow 47, 47 out of the water. Can I tell you something? If you can blow 47, 47 out of the water, you know what I want you to do? I want you to blow 47, 47 out of the water. I want you to smash this. I want you to give until you feel it. I want you unapologetically to give sacrificially. I love this day there. Look, pastors and money and everyone gets nervous. I don't get any of this money. I'm contending for children in our city right now. And I'm telling you, cough it up in Jesus' name. Go. And here's why. I'll tell you a story. Man, I've been dying to tell you guys about this. Most, here's what I'm telling you up front. Hear me now. Most of what we give, we are going to give to Vista Square Elementary School. And I'll tell you why. I'm not quick as a pastor. Literally, I might not only done this one other time in my ministry career. I'm not quick as a pastor to come up with a plan and sign God's name on it and say, this is God's plan for us. It has just become so abundantly clear. God has put this, this school in our path. And I want to tell you what's going on. Okay, this is real talk. We might edit this out of the video. This is a family meeting. I just need you to grab a hold of this, okay? I, I've lived in this community for seven and a half years now. And I have tried everything there is under the sun to try and bless this area in Jesus' name in a way that makes Jesus look good so we can evangelize the world and reach people for Christ and all those good things, right? I've done that. I've reached out to schools. We've done the thing with the city. We've been at movie nights. We've been at all kinds of stuff trying to do good in Jesus' name. I mean, there's a middle school right next to us. Where I, bad directions. Help the boy out. Where is it? That way. Okay. There's a middle school right there. When I was hired here, they go, man, one of the things we'd love to do is see a partnership with the middle school. They're in our backyard. Oh, what an opportunity for Jesus Christ. I was like, yes, I'm on it. I called, I've emailed. I wrote a handwritten letter and I snuck into the principal's office, left it there, tipped it up so it was pointed at him when he sits down in his chair. I did that. I coached wrestling there for a year and it amounted to nothing. I'm here to help. How can I help? Oh my gosh, we got a resource. What do you guys need? And no one wants to play ball. So this year, I was like, forget it. I was like, God, what do you want? He's like, go find somebody in need. I called my friend, Rob Cochran. He worked for the school district right here in our city. He's a principal over in Benita now uh, at the elementary school there. I call him. I said, buddy, point me to some needs. I, we want to make a difference this Christmas. He goes, okay, 
I'll set up a meeting. It's Vista Square Elementary. Uh, I'll set up a meeting with the principal. I'll email her and I'll email you. And the two emails will connect. And, and it was fall break at the time. And he goes, don't respond right away. Wait till right at the end of fall break so it bumps your email back up in her inbox. And I did just that on a Sunday night. So when she goes in the office on Monday, that, that, that it would be there. On Monday morning, I get a reply. I, I reached out. I said, hey, uh, we're going to do something in Jesus' name. We'd love to help you guys. Can we meet? And Monday morning, I get a reply, and she goes, Pastor Matt, oh my goodness, thank you. I am so excited. You could come in later today. You could come here Tuesday. You could come Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I'll be back here the next Monday. You just let me know what works for you. And so we met. I grabbed a girl from the church. Her name's Jackie Bruzy, and she, she's going to be helping with some of the projects and the way we bless those people. I said, let's go check this out together. We sit down in her office, whatever it was, like a Thursday or something, and, and I said, Principal Allen, the story I heard is, is that your kids are really hurting and, and, and this is one of the most in-need schools in the district. And she, she shared her story. Um, she shared how she got there and she says, you're absolutely right. I go, what's the story there? She goes, well, we have the most in-need kids here uh, out of any school in the entire district. She called them unsheltered. It's the polite way of saying homeless. I said, really in our city? She says, yes, there's homeless children in our city. I go, well, how's that happen? She says, there's three ways. She says, number one, mom and dad are on drugs and they're couch surfing in our area. She goes, I could tell you every single parent who drops their kid off while they're still high. She said, number two, in Chua Vista here, there are two shelters for battered women. And, and they're both in our district. And so when mom runs for her life and goes into hiding, they make the children go to school. And so some of the children go to school there. Third and finally, there's a couple of sleazy hotels in this area and mom sends kids to school, and then she sleeps with men for money to try and make ends meet. I said, is this tough on you guys? What is it like? And she goes, it's so hard. I said, I get that. You're shining light in a dark place. It's terrible. It's so hard. I go, what are you noticing? She goes, the behavior problems are through the roof right now. We can't afford a behavioral specialist. The kids are hopping the fence and making a run for it because they have no idea what to do in an environment. She goes, my teachers burn out quickly, but I've made a choice to be here and I wanna see it through with these kids. We toured the campus. She showed me a room literally as big as these two stage pieces. And she goes, this is our tiki room. It had a little grass skirt hanging in front of the door and um, it wasn't much to look at. There was a, sh a chair in there with a massage belt, an old IBM computer and a noise machine. And she goes, we built this room because my teachers keep burning out. And so I made them a promise that if they're ever tired or burned out, they can leave any time. I'll cover their classroom and they can sit in here and chill. She said, also, not only that, um, we're not just the most impoverished school in the district. We are the most obese school in the district because my students don't have access to healthy foods. She goes, one of our teachers, we used to have this garden. She showed me this garden. It's big and beautiful, but it's overgrown and nasty. We will be there in February doing something about that. There used to be this garden here where families could come and get vegetables and stuff like that. But one of my teachers, he started a run club. And the kids can run our track. She goes, you want to see? I said, of course. She takes me to a dirt path that was walked into some weeds, and they call that their track. We walked past a broken down playground set on the way to the track, and so we met back in her office and I said, well, what do you need? And she said, everything. We, got, we need instruments. They gave us, 
The Save the Music, pro y'all remember Save the Music with VH1? I didn't know anybody actually got those. They got those. She goes, it's a problem. Because of Save the Music, we got these instruments, and I have to employ a full-time employee, and it's their job, you know, to, to do the music program. You only need a part-timer to run the music program. But to keep the instruments, I can employ them full-time, and I'm stuck, and it's eating up money that I could use to take care of these kids. She goes, we need a real track. We need a run club program. We need to incentivize it. We need a teacher. We need behavioral health specialists. But we can't afford them. I go, well, can we help with that stuff? She said, you can help with whatever you want. Have you ever heard of a public school swinging their doors open to a church and saying, come in and do whatever you want? I haven't. So then... I tell you that to tell you this. The only limit to what we can do there is what you and I are willing to give. That's literally it. God went first. The doors are open. The highway has been paved. And the only thing holding us back is us. What are you willing to do for them? Here's the one that just blew me away. I finished up the visit with the principal and we took this photo together and I just wanted to start telling the story as much as I can. And you youngsters know you can tag a location in your Facebook or in your Instagram post. And so I tag Vista Square Elementary School in the posts just to kind of help people kind of locate what's going on and all that stuff. And on social media, all of the sudden, these posts start getting lit up by families from the school. Oh, my gosh, we love Marisa. She's our girl. Oh, she's taking care. She loves this city. She loves this school. She loves these kids. I mean, people are just celebrating this woman because she cares. So she's coming here next week. She'll be here. You can meet her. She'll tell you. I said, tell them the story. Then the craziest thing happened. I got a direct message on Insta or uh, Facebook, and it was from a woman named Jackie Gonzalez. Here's a picture of Jackie with her kids. Now, some of you who have been around for a while might remember Jackie. We used to serve at an interfaith shelter. There, there's uh, over in Chula Vista, there's a Interfaith shelter, and, and they host families in need, uh, you know, people on the run, domestic violence, people who need a place to stay. And so we used to volunteer by, by going over there, and we, different momentum small groups and families would stay in the shelter for a week, and we would love on the families, get to know them, serve meals. It was so cool. And so, so anyways, uh, a woman from momentum named Ariel Kennedy developed a relationship with Jackie, who was first at the shelter when she was on the run and needed a place to be uh, to escape abusive situation. So Ariel, she's military, so they moved on, and they're a couple stops away now, but she formed a relationship with her and took her and her daughters to Momentum for, for almost a two-year window. So Kid City volunteers still remember these kids, and they're around. And unfortunately, the Kennedy family had moved on with the military, and, and then Jackie just kind of vanished. 
And, and some of you who have worked um, doing aid or helping people for a long time now understand it's usually not great when somebody just kind of vanishes. What, what usually happens is they were doing good for a little while, whatever it was kind of overcame them, and then, oh, man, I, you find out three years later and you're like, darn. But that was about three years ago. I get a message on Facebook from Jackie, and she goes, Pastor Matt, oh, my gosh, You guys are coming to Vista. Me and my kids are there. We love this school. We love Principal Allen. And we can't wait to see. I paused. I was like, Jackie, are you okay? She said, Pastor Matt, I'm doing great. Ever since I saw you guys, I got a job. I'm on my feet now. As a matter of fact, Principal Allen just helped me get my whatever certification. I'm going to be working in the school. I said, wow, Jackie, I'm so happy for you. She goes, she hits me back right away. No, you don't have a clue. You don't know Pastor. Pastor. I started a prayer group at the school. Every Wednesday at 2.30, me and the other parents from the school get together and pray. This month we were praying that God, oh, that God would send us someone. That's us. It is. Can't make this up. We can change the world. And so you have an opportunity in front of you. So do I. That we could give up life so others could live. That we would taste what truly living is all about. Giving is open now. It will be through the end of the year. Um, You can fill out your little envelope and just write, bring life, Christmas, give on the envelope. It's online. You can tag it. You can, you know, you select Christmas, give. And we can be as helpful. And we can do as much as we're willing to give. So I'll finish with that scripture again. 2 Corinthians 8. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love that we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. I'm not commanding you because you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. That's our goal. Let's become poor and make some people rich. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we're listening, we're watching, and we're paying attention. I pray person by person. You would convict us and lead us. Prompt us with how we can get in the game and how we can help. Guide us as we try and serve the city that you've entrusted to us. Fill us with your power so we can make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Come back next week and meet Principal Allen with me. Peace. Have a great week. 
Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast, and download the Momentum app from your app store. See you next week. Welcome to the Momentum Podcast. Our hope is to fill you with the light and life that are found in Jesus so you can shine in the world around you. A great next step if you'd like to grow in your faith is connecting to a community. We would love to help you connect at Momentum. For more information, visit MomentumSanDiego.com. Again, that's MomentumSanDiego.com. We hope you enjoy the message.